The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Amen, amen. We're in a series right now called Teach Us to Pray, right? We've been talking about the importance of prayer, how prayer works. It's been a great series so far, hasn't it? Wasn't Sarah's word last week so good? Talking us through the, the Lord's Prayer, the, the model of prayer that Jesus gave us. If you missed that, make sure you go back and listen to it. She really unpacked each little aspect of the prayer Jesus gave us. And there's so much there. In fact, there's a lot she couldn't even get to uh, that, that's just so, so powerful. And how we relate to God, how we relate to the, to the kingdom through that prayer. Make sure you check that out. We started the series talking about the possibility of prayer. Uh, through prayer, we can connect with God. We can gain access to a relationship with God, gain access to who God is and what God wants to do in us and through us. But remember, we said that God can't answer prayers you don't pray. So in order for us to be people of prayer and, and see God do what He wants to do, we have to be a praying church. Amen? I hope you've been putting that into practice, working prayer into your life in a greater way. I, I believe you have. I believe we've already seen some of the results of that. Today, I want to get super, super practical with you about prayer. I want, to, I want to kind of get into the nuts and bolts of how to pray and see a greater level of effectiveness in your prayer life, a greater level of connection in your prayer life to God. So I got, I got four points for you this morning. We're going to jump right into this. If you want to walk in a greater level of effectiveness in your prayer, here's number one, pray God's word. Pray God's word. Word. The Bible says this in 1 John 5, starting in verse 14. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. Now, let's stop right there. I don't know about you, but I like that idea. I like the idea that I can go to God in prayer and I can have confidence in my prayer life. That like I don't have to pray and, and it be like, you know, wishing upon a star. Like just hoping that maybe... You know, it's like a winning lottery ticket that maybe this will work. I don't really know. I, I, I want to have confidence in my prayer. And I love this because this verse says that that's possible. This is the confidence we can have in approaching God. Look at this. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God hears prayers that are prayed according to his will. Now look at this, verse 5. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know. Somebody say, we know. We know that we have, somebody say have. have. We know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, I don't know if this hits you like it, like it should, but let me just explain what this verse just told us. It says that if you will pray according to the will of God, that God hears prayers that are prayed according to his will, and he answers those prayers that are prayed according to his will, and you can have confidence that he's going to answer prayers that are prayed according to his will because he hears you and he's going to answer it. That, my friends, is awesome. Amen. But the problem a lot of people have when it comes to this is we don't understand the will of God. And we think the will of God is some kind of ambiguous thing that just exists out there that we don't really know, you know, and it is. It's like, it's like a scratch-off ticket. Like, I guess I'll pray and, you know, if it be thy will, God, would you bless me? If it be thy will, God, would you, would you heal me? But I don't really think we can know the will of God. That's not really for me to say what the will of God is. So I'll just, we'll just see what happens here. I don't know about you, but that doesn't bring a lot of confidence to my prayer life. 
just thinking, I don't really know the will of God, so I'll just kind of see what happens here. That's not, that's not confidence. And think about this. Wouldn't it be kind of like a jerk move of God to like say, you can have confidence if you pray according to my will, but then make his will not possible for you to understand? Turn to the person beside and say, God's not a jerk. <laughs> that would be a jerk move, and God's not a jerk. God's a good God. And so he wants you to understand his will so you can pray according to his will. God wants you to know his will so you can pray with confidence according to his will, knowing that he'll answer you. Look back at verse 5. I hope you get this. And we know that if he hears us, and we know that he hears us if we pray according to his will, whatever we ask, whatever, whatever, Look at this. We know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So, so here's what this means. If God hears your prayers, he answers your prayer. And if God hears a prayer that is prayed according to his will, so here's the key. What's the will of God? The key is understanding and discovering what the will of God is. So you want to know what the will of God is? Real simple. Here it is. Take a note. Jot this down. God's will is God's word. God's will is is God's word. The will of God is the word of God. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet. Here's what that means. It means it brings illumination to where you're at. It helps you to see where you currently find yourself. And it is a what? It's a lamp to my feet and it's a light unto my path. What does that mean? That means it shows you where you are and it shows you where to go. It shows you the will of God for the direction of your life moving ahead. God's will is God's word. So listen, if we will begin to start praying and harmonizing our prayers with the promises of the word of God, then God will hear those prayers and God will answer those prayers. As simple as that sounds, it's that simple. So we need to pray the Word of God. So here's what that means. You need to find verses in Scripture related to the issues that you're facing in life. Whatever they are. You need to find a verse that speaks to the specific problem or issue that maybe you find yourself in. And if you can find it in the Word, you can have it. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in Him, or through Him, are yes and in Him, amen. If you can find a promise that's related to the people of God in Scripture, you can stand on that promise and you can have what that promise says. Jeremiah 1 verse 12 says, I am watching over my word to perform it. God is looking for people who will, who will pray and pray God's word so that he can perform his word in their life and through their life. Can I get an amen? amen. A few years ago, uh, quite a few years ago now, my son was about five years old and we were taking him to the doctor because at that time he was kind of having this issue. And the issue was that he was walking on his tiptoes all the time. And he had started doing this when he was just a little guy, and it was just from time to time he would do it. But, and, and we kind of, as parents, thought, you know, as he gets older, this would just be something that he outgrows. But it wasn't something he was outgrowing. It actually was something that seems like it was getting worse the older he got to the point that he was five years old, and he just walked around like this all the time. And, you know, we, as parents, you know, that's not how you're supposed to walk. And we knew he wasn't supposed to walk that way. And we figured that that could probably not be good for him in the long run. And so we went ahead and made a doctor's appointment and took him in. And the doctor said, well, there's no, you know, damage that's been done that's too bad right now. But if he doesn't, 
get this right, he may have to have surgery later on down the line because there's going to be muscles that are underdeveloped and other muscles that are overdeveloped and it just could be a big deal. And so the doctor talked to us about, okay, you need to start really talking to him and really working on him, with him on walking the right way. And so we started really digging into, okay, Gus, when he was walking, we'd see him walking on his tiptoes, and we'd say, okay, Gus, you got a penguin walk, because they told us, you know, penguin walk is where you walk on your heels. Penguin walk, walk heel-toe, buddy. you got to walk flat-footed, okay? And we were just, all the time, we were just having a harp on this and talk to him about this all the time. And then at night, we'd have to go into his little bedroom at night, and we'd have to stretch his little, his, his Achilles heels out. And, and you'd do it, and his legs were just so tight, and it would hurt him, and he hated it. And he's five years old, little dude. He doesn't want to be doing this stuff. And all the time that we're doing this, we're praying over him, but it just seems like we're not getting anywhere. It's not getting any better. The moment that we stop telling him to walk flat-footed, he just goes, he reverts right back to walking on his tiptoes, and we were just getting nowhere. And one night I was in his room, and I'd been doing his stretches with him, and I prayed over him, and as I was praying over him, I remembered something that my pastor used to say when I was growing up. You know why it's important you come to church from time to time? Because someday down the line, you're going to remember something that the pastor said to you when you were growing up or in a season, a new season that you find yourself in. And so I remembered something my pastor used to say. Someone would come to him and they would tell him about something they were believing for. And he would say, what verse are you standing on? And here's what that means. What in scripture are you joining your faith to to believe God for what it is that you want to see happen? And so I remember that, and I thought, you know what? We need a verse for this. And you know what's so cool about the Bible? There's a verse for everything. There really is. I found a verse one time. I had an air conditioner went, that went out at my house, and I was like, I need a, I, I don't know what to do. And I, I opened up the Bible, and I opened up to this verse that says, the wind blows, and they are gone. And that spoke specifically to my situation. I knew exactly what to do. I was like, there's a verse about air conditioners in here. This is crazy. But God wants to speak to you through his word. And so I got into the word, and I started looking up verses that were related to walking. And I found this verse. It was such a perfect verse for a little boy that needed to walk the right way. Look at this. Joel chapter 2, verse 7. They run like mighty men. How many of you know little boys want to be mighty men, right? They climb the wall like warriors. This is good little boy talk right here. They each march in his line and they do not swerve off course. So I took that verse and I wrote it down for him. And then I made a little confession out of it that he could pray related to this verse. Here's what it says. Lord, I thank you that you have designed me to be a mighty man of God. Mighty men of God don't walk on their tiptoes. <laughs> so Holy Spirit, help me to walk on your line, flat-footed the way God designed me to walk. In Jesus' name, amen. And I showed him this verse and I said, okay, buddy, mom and dad are going to be praying this over you. But it's not enough that we just prayed over you. You need to pray it over you too. Yeah. And so we taught him to learn this. Because how many of you know, out of the mouths of babes, right? Yeah. The mouth of these little kids, little kids, the word of God is just as powerful coming out of the mouth of a little kid as it is anybody else. Yeah. And so we said, all right, we want you to start speaking this. I want you to learn it. I remember one night going by his little room, I'd put my daughter Bo down to bed, and he'd already been in bed, and I walked by his room, and I could hear him in his little room saying his confession, boldly declaring it. And I remember walking away from that room, and God just reminded me, the word will accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. And that little boy was sending the word out to the Lord, and God is faithful to his word, isn't he? And I kid you not, guys, I kid you not, within two weeks, within two weeks, that boy was walking around flat-footed without us having to tell him, Gussie, walk flat-footed. Can you give the Lord a hand this morning? 
We had, we had been dealing with this for months. For months we'd been dealing with it. But when we applied the Word of God to the specific situation, it changed almost overnight. In fact, it happened so quick. I remember Sarah and I were sitting at dinner one night, and it was just kind of like, oh my gosh, that's over. Like, it's just done. It just, it just happened. Why? Because God's Word is powerful. And when you come into agreement and harmonize your prayers with the authority of Scripture, I'm telling you, you release the Word of God in your life. The Word of God is the breath of God, and when it comes out of your mouth, it has the power to create and transform and renew and heal and change things. So you need to pray God's Word. Can I get an amen? amen. You get anything out of this so far? Yeah. All right, that's just point one. You ready for point two? Okay, here's point two. Don't just talk, listen. Don't just talk, listen. You know, one of the definitions of prayer is prayer is a conversation with God. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and it's just a one-way conversation? And they, don't, you're, you're, they just talk and they never listen? How I many you know that's a frustrating conversation? Like a real conversation when you're talking, there's a time that you talk some of you, you're going, I don't know what he's talking about. You're the people maybe that's talking too much. <laughs> let me just let you know something. Conversation, you talk, and then you listen. And when you listen, you're not just thinking of the next thing you want to say. You're actually listening to hear what they have to say. God designed us to be people who hear from him. In fact, I, I, I'd encourage you this week, on Tuesday night, I taught an equip class here at New Song Church. I, I talked for 90 minutes about how to hear the voice of God. I want you to know, you can hear the voice of God. You're a sheep, and sheep can hear the voice of God. So if you want to learn more about that, we'll have that up online here real soon. Make sure you check that out. But God wants to talk to you, but so much of the problem is sometimes we don't take the time to listen. We never listen. When I was a kid, we used to play this game from time to time. It was called Ding Dong Ditch. You guys remember this? It was hilarious. You go to someone's house, and you ring the doorbell, and then you run off. And nine times out of ten, nobody comes to the door. But every once in a while, someone comes to the door, and you're not there. It was a thrill ride. But you know, I think sometimes we play ding-dong ditch with God. We go to God, and we say, God, I, I need your wisdom. I need your direction. Ding-dong. God, I don't know what to do. I need help. What do I do with my business? What do I do? How, how do I make this decision? Ding dong. And we run off. And we don't take time to listen. So let me tell you how you're going to hear from God, okay? You got to make room. You got to make room for quiet in your life. What, what, here's my question for you. What does your quiet time look like with the Lord? Is there any, do you have a moment in your day ever where you just quiet things down? You tune some stuff down. You turn some stuff off so that you can just hear what it is that maybe God wants to say to you. Because there's a God who wants to talk to you, but sometimes we got so much noise going on that there's no room. And God's not going to shout over your noise. So if you want to hear from the Lord, you're going to have to be intentional to turn some stuff on, to make room. I don't, I don't know what that looks like for you. That's something you're going to have to go to the Lord with and think about and think through. But make a plan for how you're going to hear from the Lord, how you're going to quiet the outside noise. Now, here's the thing. How many of you know it's not always the outside noise that's the problem? Yeah. Sometimes it's the inner noise that can be a little loud. You know, I don't know about you, but from time to time, like I'm trying to get quiet, trying to hear from the Lord, and it's in those moments that all of a sudden my mind, my memory gets really sharp. Yeah. Like I start remembering all these things that I need to do. 
this email that I need to send, and, and this text that I never replied to. And, and I started thinking about, you know, that, that, that thing I got to bring to the kids' school on Thursday. Like, all of a sudden, I can remember things that I haven't remembered in years when I'm trying to hear the voice of God. Anybody relate to this? And so, so it's great that we can quiet the outside noise, but how do we quiet sometimes that inner noise? Those voices that would try to rise up, that would try to distract us and keep us from being able to hear the voice of God. Well, here's how you do it, through worship. Through worship. You know, worship is not supposed to be something that you just do once a week here at New Song Church. I hope that worship is a part of your everyday life. I hope that you make some time in your everyday life to glorify God and to express your love to Him. That's what worship is. It's love expressed. It's us expressing and thanking God and glorifying Him and worshiping Him. And listen, it's also a powerful tool that God has given you that will help you silence the enemy's voice in your life. Look at this verse. I love this verse. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Psalm 8-2 says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. To look at this, look at this next word, say it with me. Silence, to silence the foe and the avenger. You know, when you worship God, you have the ability through your worship to silence the voice of the enemy and any voice that would try to rise up in your life to keep you from hearing the voice of God in your life. And I love what it says. It says through, it says through the praise of children and infants. That's not saying only children and infants can do this. What it's saying is even the weakest among you doing this at the most elementary level. You know, those little kids over there in children's church that are singing, yes, Jesus loves me. That has enough power to send the enemy running in the other direction to shut him up. If it can do that for them, it can most certainly do that for you. So if the inner voices are too loud, start worshiping the Lord. Lord, I thank you. I glorify you. I praise you. I sing you a new song today, a song from my own lips to you, saying I love you and I glorify you. I pray. And you can put on worship music and songs and just begin to glorify God. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. You know what that means? He comes to live where His praises are being declared. I don't know about you, but I want God living with me. I want Him living in my life. So, so a powerful declaration is made when you begin to worship and praise God. Here's what you declare. God, you're welcome here. Satan, you're not. God, I want your voice. I want to hear from you. I want to invite you in. I need you in my day today. And Satan and any voice that would try to rise up against the enemy, you can go. Amen. So you need to be people who take the time to not just talk, but to listen through prayer. Here's number three. Pray and fast frequently. Pray and fast frequently. If you're with me, say I'm with you, Pastor. Matthew 17, if you want to turn there. Matthew 17. You know, every year here at New Song Church, we do a fast at the beginning of the year, 21 days of prayer and fasting. We invite our church to be a part of where we kind of recommit to God in a greater way. We disconnect from some of our normals. And uh, man, it's always amazing what God does during that season. We see some really cool stuff take place in our church. Always have amazing testimonies from people. Healings take place. And it really helps us to get, you know, kind of the year off on the wrong foot. But I also want you to understand something. God never intended for fasting to just be something that happens at the beginning of the year just to kind of help us to get the year off on the right foot and maybe lose some Christmas and Thanksgiving weight. <laughs> prayer and fasting are things that God wants us to be doing a lot 
The Bible talks about Jesus says, when you pray. And in the same area of Scripture, he says, and when you fast. Fasting is something that God intends for us to do. And there are incredible benefits that take place in our life when we make fasting a part of the habit or the routine of our life on a regular basis. So Matthew chapter 17, we read a couple weeks ago, you remember I talked about the, the child who was brought before Jesus that was demon-possessed. His father brought him to Jesus. And in the context of the story, the father says, I brought him to the disciples, and they prayed, but, but nothing happened. And so now he's with Jesus. And Matthew 9, or Mark 9, we read that story last time. I want to read it from Matthew 17, because there's some verbiage in this story that I think is important for you to understand that speaks to the importance of prayer and fasting and what it can do in your life. So after this child is brought before Jesus, Matthew, 7, Matthew 17, he's talking to his disciples here. He says this. He says, you unbelieving. Everybody say unbelieving. unbelieving. You unbelieving and perverse. Everybody say perverse. perverse. You might want to highlight those words, unbelieving, perverse. Unbelieving and perverse generation. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here. And he ordered the afflicting demon out. And it was out, gone. Notice he didn't pray. He ordered it, spoke to it. From that moment on, the boy was well. From that moment on. Verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. The littleness of your faith. In other words, unbelief. There's a problem with unbelief. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that's not big, that's tiny. You will say to this mountain or any problem that seems too big for you, move from here to there and it will move and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. These are the words of Jesus. If you got a, you got a Bible with red letters, these are red letters here. Verse 21, but this kind does not go out except by, look at these two words, prayer and fasting. Okay, so notice in verse 17, Jesus addresses two problems that lead to this demon not being cast out. What are they? Unbelief and perverse. There, there's an issue with unbelief and there's, a, there's an issue with them being perverse. And then in verse 21, he gives the answer to the problems. And they are prayer and fasting. Through prayer, you can deal with the issue of unbelief. And through fasting, you can deal with the issue of the perverseness. Here's why. Prayer connects us to God. Prayer connects us to God. We've been talking about that throughout this series. Through prayer, we're able to step into a closer relationship with God. And, and something happens when you spend time with God. You know, the more time you spend with, with someone worthy of your confidence, the more confidence that you have in that person. Yeah. If you've ever been around somebody that is, that is a faithful person, someone that you can count on, being around them makes you faithful in them. It fills you up with faith in them and their ability in your life. And when you spend time with the Lord in prayer and you begin to pray and invite God into your life and invite the promises of God into your life, you see a faithful God be faithful in your life and it fills you up with faith and it deals with the unbelief that maybe you're dealing with. So through prayer, we can begin to eliminate this issue of unbelief that we may be struggling with. But, but it wasn't just unbelief that was the problem. It was also this issue of being perverse. And so what's the answer to that? It's fasting. See, because fasting disconnects us from the world. 
Through fasting, we're able to, to con- disconnect from things that are maybe uh, polluting and diluting us from who it is God's called us to be. See, Jesus, really what he's saying here is, here's your problem. You're not connected to me enough, and you're too connected to the world. And you know, it's very easy for us to get that way, to get so connected to the world that we become polluted by the world, and, and we're, we're kept from the promises of God and the will of God for our life. But prayer helps us connect to God, and fasting helps us disconnect from ourselves. I don't know about you, but something I've noticed about myself, I got a flesh and my flesh likes to try to run things. You ever heard somebody talk about, you know, being self-aware? I'm very self-aware. I'm very aware of myself, what myself likes. Anybody relate to this? I know what I like. I know what I like to eat. I know what desserts I like. Anybody relate to this? Yes. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. And if I'm not careful, that flesh side of me will try to lead things. And so from time to time, on the regular, I need to remind my flesh that it is not in control. And I need to force my flesh to submit and be subdued to the things of God. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He said, but I buffet my body. Now notice the the pronunciation of that word, men. Buffet, not buffet. (laughs) I'm not talking about buffet in your body, okay? I'll be a doer of the word. Just golden crown my body. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Buffet is quite the opposite. Buffet means I handle it roughly, which some of you do at the buffet. You handle your body roughly the way you eat food. <laughs> Buffet means I handle it <laughs> roughly. I discipline it by hardships. Paul says I buffet my body and I subdue it. That's what fasting does. Fasting doesn't make God love you anymore. It's not doing stuff to hurt yourself to make you win favor with God. Fasting is about you telling your flesh who the boss is. The boss is God. Because your body, listen, your body, the Bible says, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so it's housing something precious. And so it doesn't get to lead. What's inside of it is what is going to lead. The Spirit of God is going to be what is leading. So I bring you body under submission. Some of you, if you're struggling in your body, you need to be praying and fasting on the regular. You're struggling with lust. You're struggling with your appetite. Your flesh tends to be leading the way. You need to bring your flesh under submission to God. Let your, let your flesh know it, it doesn't run things. So what does that look like for you? What does it look like to fast regularly? I, I don't know. I'll tell you what it looks like for me. Sarah and I fast once a week. Every Tuesday uh, for 24 hours, we don't eat any food. We'll drink water, things like that, but we don't eat any food. And we get hungry. <laughs> I get real hungry. And when I get hungry, you know what I do? I pray. And I remind my flesh, flesh, you don't run things. We're submitted to the Lord. God runs things. The Spirit of God runs things. And I'm telling you, man, it's amazing how you'll connect to God in those seasons where you're disconnecting. You know, our flesh wants to lead. It's your flesh is a liar and your flesh is wrong most of the time. So we invite the Holy Spirit to be the leader. We invite the Word of God to have supreme rule in our life. That's what praying and fasting, praying and fasting does. So I'd encourage you to do it frequently. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe you pray, you talk to your, if you're married, talk to your spouse, talk to your family, talk to people around you. Come up with a plan so that you can be not just a person of prayer, but a person who's fasting on the regular. Here's number four. I love this one. Pray beyond your brain. 
pray beyond your brain. What do I mean by that? Okay, let me say it like this. Pray, here we go, in the Spirit. Or let me say it like this. Pray in tongues. So some of you right now, you're maybe newer to the church, newer to the things of God, and you're going, oh no. What's happening? Or maybe you've been coming to New Song for a while and you're going, oh boy, this place is about to change. Just so you know, nothing's changing. We've been doing this from the beginning. But, but here's what I want you to understand. God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's very clear in the New Testament that there is another baptism that you can receive, a baptism in the Spirit. And with it, one of the things God wants to give you is a prayer language where you can submit your tongue to the Holy Spirit, and you can pray in tongues in a spiritual language, yielding your tongue. Listen, God doesn't take you over. He didn't make you do it. God didn't make you do anything. God can make you do anything. He'd make you get saved, but He didn't do that. You always have to submit your will to the will of God. So God won't make you do this, but you can choose to do it after you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible is really clear in the New Testament what this looks like. There is a gift of tongues... And there is a grace of tongues. So let me explain how this works for you. The gift of tongues is a tongue that is given in a church setting where there are both believers and unbelievers present. And it's important when a gift of tongue is given that there is an interpretation to that tongue. Because the purpose of a church service is that we would be edified. And if a tongue is just given, if I just stand up here and pray in tongues and that's all I do, that's not going to help any of you. In fact, people who are new to church New to the things of God are going to come in here. And you know what they're going to think? They're going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> Paul, Paul said this. Let me show you this. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. Paul, inspired by God, writing on behalf of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. He says this. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in. So that's people who don't know about God. They don't know Jesus. They come in. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? <laughs> So that's why, like, if, if we're going to give a tongue in a church setting like this, it's important that there's an interpretation. Now, I'm not saying that during worship you can't be praying in the Spirit to yourself. I do that a lot of times in, in, in worship. But I'm not trying to be boisterously praying out loud and because it could be confusing to somebody else. And I want to do everything decent and in order the way God has ordained it to be. Amen? So there's the, there's the gift of tongues, but there's also the grace of tongues. The grace of tongues is your personal prayer language. And, and the grace of tongues, when you pray in the Spirit, you're able to pray these perfect prayers specific to your life and to God's plan for your life that are beyond your understanding, that are in perfect alignment with the will of God and the plan of God for your life. But you're not going to understand it. In fact, look at this verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. This is talking about the grace of tongues, praying in the Spirit. For no one understands him. You're not going to understand what you're praying, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Verse 14, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. It's the Holy Spirit praying through you. You're yielding to it. But my understanding is unfruitful. That word understanding, 21 out of 24 times in the Bible, is the, is, uh, is the word mind. So my mind is unfruitful. In other words, I don't always understand what I'm praying. But when I practice this gift of praying in, in the Spirit, I'm able to build myself up. In fact, that's, the, that's the, one of the first benefits of this. It builds you up. You ever feel, you ever need to be built up? 
You know, it's, it's funny. Sometimes in life, it's kind of like there's a conspiracy against us. Like someone is trying to tear us down, you know, trying to steal and kill and destroy us. You ever feel that way? That's because it, that, that's, that's actually happening. There is a real enemy, a real devil who exists, who has a legion of demons that are on his side. Which, by the way, there's not as many demons as there are angels. <laughs> but they are warring against you to steal, kill, and destroy you. And they want to tear you down. And so from time to time, you need to be built up. And when you pray in the Spirit, you can build yourself up. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies. That word edifies means builds himself up. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Jude 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. First benefit to praying in the Spirit is it builds you up. Here's the second one. It covers your ignorance. It covers your ignorance. You know, every one of us, we're talking about prayer, right? You know we all have a weakness when it comes to prayer. You want to know what it is? You don't know it all. Even if you know the will of God through the Word of God, you don't always know specifically what's, what to pray. You just don't. And so there's times that we're dealing with the ignorance of not knowing exactly how to pray. And that's where the gift of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues can come in. Look at this verse, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, also helps us in our weakness. What's our weakness? Here it is. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. That's a weakness we all have. We don't know it all. We don't always know how to specifically pray for the issues that we're facing in life. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us, through us, with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know what that word means? I looked this up this week. That, when it talks about groanings which cannot be uttered, here's what that means. The indwelling Spirit of God intercedes through us, speaking on our behalf the elatos words. That means words beyond words. Check this out. Through this, through this prayer language, you can actually pray words that are beyond the capacity of words. Like you're moving into another dimension of prayer when you begin to pray in the Spirit. How awesome is that, church? So when you don't know how to pray, when you don't know what to pray, you can pray in perfect agreement and alignment with the specific will of God for the plan of God for your life, for your children, for your marriage, for your future through the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? Can I get an amen? And here's the last one. It hides the plan. When you pray in the Spirit, it hides the plan. There is an enemy who's seeking to steal, kill, and destroy you. And one of the ways he destroys you is he discourages you. Yeah. And he listens to you. And his demonic forces listen to you. And he listens to your prayers. And sometimes when you're done praying, that's when he comes against you to discourage you, to try to get in between you and the promise of God to get you to let go of it before you see it. Because we pray and we believe God and in that moment we grab a hold in faith to the promises God has for us. But sometimes there's a little bit of a gap between actually seeing it in our life and what we've grabbed onto in the spirit realm. And it's in that area that the enemy will come in and he'll try to discourage you and get you to let it go. So God doesn't want us to always have to deal with that. He doesn't want us to always have the devil attacking every prayer that we pray so through the holy spirit we can pray prayers and it's hidden not just from from you and your understanding but it's hidden from the understanding of the enemy so that he can't set up traps and plots against you to discourage you from the promise that god has for you there's a story uh that i, I heard one time about world war ii 
we were fighting the Japanese in Japan and our soldiers were struggling because at the beginning of the, of the war we would go to to make an advancement go to attack the Japanese and it seems like every time we would go they were ahead of us they knew what we were going to do and they were able to kind of stop us in our tracks and what we discovered was many of these Japanese soldiers understood English they understood our battle plans they had even some of them come from America had been trained in some of these things and so they were they were intercepting our our radio broadcasts and our signals and they were ready for us and so whenever we would go they were they were already ready for us and it was discouraging for our military so uh, this guy his name was I got his name written down here William Johnston came up with this idea and he went and he got these, uh, there was this group of Navajo Indians that had a language that was a Navajo Indian language that, that was not known by most of the world. And he said, okay, we're going to, he went to the military. He said, I, I, here's what I propose. We get some of these guys and we allow them to be our communication specialists. And they'll communicate between the military and the leaders. And we can pass plans across uh, this Navajo language and no one will understand what they are. And so the military said, okay, let's do it. And they put these guys into practice. And all of a sudden the tide of the war began to change. Why? Because the Japanese no longer knew what we were doing before we were doing it. And so they couldn't set up traps and stop us. We were able to go do and carry out the plans we were called to in secrecy these guys these Navajo Indians were called in the military they were called wind talkers in fact there was a movie called wind talkers that came out about this which is interesting it reminds me of Acts chapter 2 when the disciples are in the upper room and what does the Bible say? It says that there was a rushing, mighty wind that descended upon them and they began to speak in tongues. God gave them a new language and they became wind talkers. The Spirit of God began to talk through them and they could now pray, pray in a language. And now through this language, it was hidden from the enemy, the plans of God for their life. Yeah. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Prayer is awesome. And God is awesome. And he doesn't want you just praying prayers, hoping for the best. God wants you to be able to pray with confidence, praying based on his word, knowing that his word is something you can have confidence in, you can trust in, you can find promises and stand on those promises and then and know as you pray that God hears you and he has answered you already. Can I get an amen? amen. You can pray God's word. You can, you can hear from God. Amen. Prayer is not just talking, but it's listening. So you need to carve out some time to quiet yourself, to turn down the outside noise and to worship God so you can turn down the inner noise so that you can hear the sweet voice of God and He can lead you specifically in what He wants you to do. You need to pray and fast frequently. Make room in your life to, to remind your body that your body is not the boss. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You carry precious cargo. You've been bought with a price. It's no longer you that lives, but Christ that lives in you. And so you need to tell your body, we don't, I don't submit to you. You submit to the word and the will of God. And then you can pray beyond your brain. You can pray perfect prayers in perfect agreement and alignment with the specific will of God for your life. You can pray secret prayers that are hidden from the enemy, powerful prayers that affect your future, that affect your children, that affect your marriage, that affect the world around you, that affect this church. God is so good, isn't he? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, church? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.